We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go. Episode 263 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, March 3rd, 2022. And as I am taping this very early on Thursday morning, let's see. It is right now 3.56 a.m. Eastern on Thursday. Uh, We have a bit of breaking Commander's Stadium news from Wednesday night into Thursday morning. Now, I wouldn't categorize this as like monumental news, but this is worth noting a potential site for the Commander's Next Stadium that has emerged in addition to these three Virginia sites that came up recently is Landover, Maryland, as in right next to FedEx Field. WUSA 9 broke the news, uh, spoke with Prince George's County Delegate Jazz Lewis He said that talks with the commanders about a new stadium in Prince George's County date back roughly two years and include far more aggressive plans than just a facelift for FedEx Field. Lewis said that the discussions have focused on building FedEx Field's replacement on undeveloped land adjacent to the current FedEx Field site in Landover in a design plan that does not interfere with existing residents. Now, this has come up before the idea of the Commander's Next Stadium being right next to FedEx Field. Keep in mind, Dan Snyder already owns the 200 or so acres that feature FedEx Field and the surrounding area. But ask yourself this question on this Thursday. Where would you prefer the Commander's Next Stadium to be? Dumfries, Virginia, or a site adjacent to FedEx Field? Uh, Is there an option C? Can we please have... And option C, uh, actually, there are other options, right? Sterling, Virginia, Woodbridge, Virginia. But we still just are not hearing much about the option that fans most want. Washington, D.C. D.C. remains a distant number three in terms of D.C., Maryland, and Virginia in the race to be the site for the Commander's Next Stadium. Hello and welcome to a Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast, which was number 33 in the country on Apple Podcasts in the U.S. football category on Wednesday. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Never a dull moment on this podcast when it comes 
to our football team, which now is known as the Commanders. And no other podcast covers the Commanders like this podcast. Hopefully, you know that by now. This week is Combine Week, the NFL Scouting Combine taking place at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. And the general manager of the Commanders, Martin Mayhew, did a press conference at the Combine on Wednesday. Uh, Mayhew, as you likely know, does not speak publicly often, but he did speak publicly on Wednesday. And in fact, both he and Ron Rivera on Wednesday seemingly provided tells that the commanders will, in fact, be acquiring a veteran quarterback within the next few weeks as the NFL's new league year gets going. Uh, I have a clip from an interview that Ron did on Wednesday that you got to hear, but also with Martin Mayhew on Wednesday was him talking a good bit about the commander's free agents to be with NFL free agency coming up in just a few weeks. I'll get into all of this next segment. You will hear Mayhew talk J.D. McKissick. You will hear Mayhew discuss where things stand regarding a contract extension for Terry McLaurin. Uh, Also speaking via press conference at the Combine on Wednesday were the quarterbacks. All of the top quarterback prospects did press conferences on Wednesday. And there's a lot for us to chew on as Commanders fans of what was said. And so you shall hear from Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Carson Strong, and Matt Corral coming up on this podcast. All of those guys are guys who, to me, the Commanders should be considering in the 2022 NFL draft. I have thoughts for you on what those guys had to say. Uh, Willis gave a press conference that has received high praise. Pickett addressed his hand size situation. I also have something for you from ESPN NFL draft analyst Mel Kuyper Jr. to play uh, on the Kenny Pickett hand size situation. Strong addressed his right knee situation. Corral talked about getting hurt in the Sugar Bowl. So lots of good stuff. Uh, There have been plenty of Commanders-related items at the Combine this week. We did have this on Wednesday, too. Commanders insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post reported uh, that the Commanders will be exercising the fifth-year option in the rookie contract of Montez Sweat. Uh, No surprise there off what Ron Rivera at his press conference on Tuesday said about the team potentially exercising that option. Uh, Also on the show, I will talk Maryland and Georgetown, both the Terrapins and the Hoyas played on Wednesday night. Uh, Don't look now, but the Terps have won four of five. Another win for the Terps on Wednesday night, 84-73 over Minnesota on senior night at Xfinity Center in College Park. Uh, The Hoyas did not win on Wednesday night. Uh, They fell to 0-18 in the Big East with a 73-68 loss at Seton Hall on Wednesday night. Became just the third team ever to begin a season 0-18 in Biggie's play. I will discuss these games, but I'm also going to discuss a statement that came out on Wednesday from Georgetown Director of Athletics Lee Reed on Hoyas head coach Patrick Ewing. Is Georgetown actually going to keep Patrick as head coach despite this horrendous season? You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Muhammad on the Commander's Quest for a franchise quarterback, a quest, as you likely know, that has been going on for many, many years. Writes Muhammad, longtime listener from your 980 days. I moved to New Jersey from Nova last year, but your show keeps me sane in enemy territory. On episode 257, you described the commanders as, quote, wanting, yearning, and lusting, end quote, for a quarterback. I have another verb that you can add to that list. How about thirsting? I might just be speaking for myself here, but as a 30-year-old fan, I am thirsting for some normalcy 
at the quarterback position from now until whenever we find a quarterback in the middle of all of the allegations and free agency. It's going to be a long offseason. I really hope we can come out of this chaos with a glimmer of hope and start the rebrand on a strong note. Otherwise, I have a bad feeling that the remaining fans who this team has will check out. Anyways, I thought this fan mail would be perfect to bring up on a Thursday pod. Happy Thirsty Quarterback Thursday. Uh, Muhammad, thank you for that email. Excellent idea. A happy Thirsty Quarterback Thursday to you and to everyone listening. You know, if us wanting a franchise quarterback for the Commanders is thirst, then we are all wandering in the Sahara Desert suffering from dehydration, okay? In fact, for those of you who watch the great show Better Call Saul, uh, we are all Saul walking with Mike in the desert, wandering aimlessly. And if you remember that episode of Better Call Saul, uh, then you remember what Saul ended up doing to cope with his dehydration. Yeah, you got it. Uh, Saul drank his own shall we say, number one. Uh, I know, horrible. I just hope that whatever the commanders end up doing to address quarterback this offseason does not prove to be the equivalent of what Saul did to deal with his dehydration. Because as Saul was desperate for water, our commanders are desperate, so desperate for a franchise quarterback. So I hope that, say, signing Mitchell Trubisky uh, doesn't prove to be the equivalent of uh, Saul drinking his own number one. Uh, yes, I know. That's terrible. Uh, email from Rob Ripper on the Commander's Next Stadium, potentially being in, yes, Dumfries, Virginia. I talked about this a lot on Monday's show, episode 260. Writes Rob, everyone is thinking Dumfries, Virginia as a possible site for the Commander's. Ugh, that is going to get some getting used to. New stadium, as a long shot, may need to rethink that thought. As you mentioned in podcast Number 260, the majority of Redskins slash Commander season ticket holders had been located in Virginia. Also mentioned is that the new site will be more than just a stadium. The new site will be a community of sorts. But something that Dumfries has that the other two Virginia sites currently do not have is an open gaming facility in Rosie's, which houses 150 historic horse race betting machines that are similar to slot machines and provide off-track betting for colonial downs. Combine that with the groundbreaking of The Rose, Virginia's first full-scale gaming resort, which will open in 2023, and Dumfries may be considered a front-runner for the commanders. It's no secret that the NFL now is wooing the betting community and new stadiums will need to have some ties to sports books. While Virginia currently allows sports book betting on apps, it is only a matter of time before the Virginia General Assembly passes a bill allowing physical sports books to open in the state. Dumfries will be ahead of the other two Virginia sites and that Dumfries will have two casino sites already open well before 2027, attracting the sports betting community. Both sites are along I-95, which will funnel fans coming to and from a potential stadium. While I agree that the new stadium being in D.C. would be best, I can actually see Dumfries as being a legitimate site for the stadium. D.C. would have to be able to purchase the RFK stadium land from the federal government in order to allow the team to build on the land, or the government would have to make a deal with the team. If the government was to control the deal, you can bet that Dan Snyder and or the NFL would be on the hook for the full amount of the stadium. Given the issues that the government has with the NFL right now, the RFK side would most likely be a dead end. Even if the city was to gain control of the RFK side, DC doesn't have the funds 
to help foot the bill. As the NFL has proven with past stadium deals, the league will provide minimal financial assistance to get stadiums built. Most locations will provide substantial funding and infrastructure costs while the team slash NFL will chip in. Hence, if Virginia is going to put up at least a billion dollars for a new stadium, odds are Dumfries may end up being the legitimate choice. Thank you for the email, Rob. Uh, Great points by you. Uh, We all know this, and I don't think that we can overstate this. Gambling, major factor, really in everything in sports. Moving forward, uh, the amount of money being spent by sports betting companies right now is astronomical. The amount of money that is projected to be generated by legal sports betting in the coming years is astronomical. So any potential site for a commander stadium that has a decided edge from a sports betting standpoint, or just from a gambling standpoint, period, has a major edge, period. Uh, I don't have any doubt about that. The problem for Dumfries, Virginia, of course, is always going to be that uh, Dumfries, Virginia is just so far away from the immediate Washington, D.C. area. That is not an easy sell to those who live in the immediate D.C. area, a commander stadium in Dumfries, Virginia. But As I said on Monday's show, a stadium in Dumfries would open up many more Commanders fans in Southern Virginia to attend Commanders games, and there are plenty of Commanders fans in Southern Virginia. Now, what I don't think that you have in Southern Virginia is the disposable income that you have for a lot of people who live in D.C. and, say, Montgomery County, Maryland, but there are plenty of people who live in Fairfax County, Virginia, and Loudoun County, Virginia, who have disposable income. You know, all of this is a matter of perspective. I mean, Dumfries, Virginia is very far away from where I live, but Dumfries, Virginia is not so far away for someone who lives in Fairfax County, Virginia, or Loudoun County, Virginia. Well, wherever you live, know that ImageWorks can work for you. Uh, Do you own, run, or work at a business that you want to grow? Does your brand need to improve its overall customer experience? Do you want to impress clients with the story that your business tells digitally? If the answers to any of these questions are yes, then put ImageWorks to work for you. ImageWorks is a full-service boutique web design branding and marketing company. Now, ImageWorks is located in the D.C. area, but ImageWorks serves the entire country by utilizing a virtual approach with the latest video meeting software to engage, communicate, and share award-winning designs. And ImageWorks right now has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a free review of your website and SEO visibility to establish a base of where you are and map a chart for where you want to be. ImageWorks and you will plan with digital web and marketing goals that you can see live via ImageWorks Customers Portal. The portal shows you how all goals are performing in Google Analytics and how all marketing programs and website visitors are behaving. You see, ImageWorks is more than a branding and marketing firm. ImageWorks is your collaborative partner, your one-stop shop for business growth. So here's what you do. Go to ImageWorksCreative.com, click on Contact near the upper right corner, and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer. You have nothing to lose. Go to imageworkscreative.com. That's image, one word, works, plural, creative.com, imageworkscreative.com. Just click on contact near the upper right corner and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast for the free offer.
Uh, also, you can call or text the owner of ImageWorks, Scott, at 703-928-7309. That's 703-928-7309. Mention the Al Galdi podcast and benefit from the free offer. Uh, Scott's a big fan of all Washington, D.C. area teams. He is a regular listener of this podcast. And Scott loves brainstorming ideas and technology that can help you grow your business. Scott has been doing what he is doing since 1996. Imageworks, creative minds focused on one goal, your business success. All right. Hey, if you want to grow your business or practice, there's no better way to do so than by advertising on this podcast, the Al Galdi podcast. Uh, podcast advertising is very affordable, uh, very much provides a bang for your buck. You can contact us and see what we can do for you. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. So it was on Tuesday that the head coach of our commanders, Ron Rivera, spoke via Press conference at the NFL Scouting Combine at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. It was on Wednesday that the general manager of the Commanders, Martin Mayhew, spoke via press conference at the Combine. And there were a few things that Mayhew said that I want to get into with you here. So Mayhew, of course, got asked about the Commander's search for a franchise quarterback. But take a listen to what he quickly pivoted to in giving his answer. Yeah, yeah. So obviously we're looking at all opportunities there in terms of quarterback. You know, first I just want to say you know, how much I appreciate Taylor Heineke. You know, he had a battlefield promotion. Um, our starter played 16 snaps last season. He was our backup, played the entire season for us. He did yeoman's work. Um, one of the hardest working guys that I've, I've been around, one of the toughest competitors. So I just thank the world of Taylor and really appreciate him. Uh, but we are looking to upgrade that position. And we're looking at every angle that's possible. Uh, we're looking at, you know, trade possibilities, draft possibilities, free agents. We're looking at everybody. That is a big piece of the puzzle, as you said. Um, what we spend there, obviously, we can't spend somewhere else. So uh, that we're waiting. We're trying to get that to come together, working on that. But we're also working on our, our own guys and trying to see what commitments that we can make. And that's all part of the, when I said moving pieces, that's what that all is. So interesting that Martin Mayhew, very early in that answer about the commander's search for a franchise quarterback, went right to talking up Taylor Heineke. Although <laughs> Mayhew uh, then said that the commanders are looking to upgrade at quarterback. It is kind of funny, right, how Ron Rivera keeps talking up the commanders looking for a franchise quarterback while their starting quarterback for the majority of last season, Taylor Heineke, a.k.a. Tay-Tay, uh, is still on the team. But we all get it. And I do think that Heineke gets it, too. And if you listen to or read some of what Heineke has said over the last few months, there does seem to be a big part of him that appreciates the spot that he's in. You know, it was just a little over a year ago that this guy was out of the NFL. You know, he was sleeping on his sister's couch. He was taking online classes at ODU. Just that Heineke is in the NFL, and now has made some money, and now is poised to be at least a backup quarterback in the NFL for years to come. All of those things are impossible to not appreciate if you're Heineke, given where he was 18 months ago. But I'll tell you, I still feel like we have not heard the last of Taylor Heineke as a starting quarterback for the team, now known as the Commanders. Uh, if you asked me, is Taylor Heineke ever going to start a regular season game again for the team, now known as the Commanders, uh, my answer would be yes. I just feel like we have not heard the end of the Taylor Heineke tale uh, with our football team, but we shall see. Uh, what also stood out to me from that answer 
from Martin Mayhew was him mentioning about quarterback, quote, what we spend there, obviously, we can't spend somewhere else, end quote. Uh, That would seem to indicate that the commanders doing something at quarterback via free agency or trade is very much a possibility, uh, if not likely. And personally, I do think that the commanders are going to be doing something at quarterback this month as free agency and the trading period get going with the start of the NFL's new league year. Also, Mayhew referenced the commanders' free agents to be, uh, more on them in a bit. But of course, just because the commanders may sign a quarterback or trade for a quarterback doesn't mean that they won't draft a quarterback. And as I've been saying, my expectation is that the commanders will be adding a veteran quarterback like signing Mitchell Trubisky and that the commanders will be drafting a quarterback uh, like Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis. And along those lines, take a listen to this. Ron Rivera on Wednesday speaking to CBS Sports HQ. I think this team needs a veteran. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not going to preclude us from looking at, at, at a rookie. It's not going to preclude us from saying that, you know, if we ended up with a veteran and all of a sudden we draft a rookie, that this rookie's not going to get an opportunity. You've got to mm-hmm. be honest about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, so as you look at that, what we decide is not going to preclude us from doing something else. You know, mm-hmm. this is all part of the process of putting your football team together because you still need to have, you know, key players and key positions, but you also have to have quality backups or guys that you're going to prepare for in terms of the future. Yeah, so Ron Rivera right there certainly seemed to at least strongly suggest, if not outright tell us, that a move for the commanders at quarterback is coming in the next few weeks because that would be when the team would acquire a veteran quarterback. But I was happy to hear Ron also make it quite clear in that cut that getting a veteran quarterback would not preclude the commanders from also drafting a quarterback. And if you're going to sign a guy like a Mitchell Trubisky to me, You also very much need to be drafting a quarterback and preferably a quarterback in the first round, i.e. taking the quarterback who you most like in this draft. You know, don't just take a guy, take the guy, take the guy who you like the best in this 2022 NFL draft. But what about this 2022 draft in terms of quarterbacks? We all know what so many people have said. This draft is not a good draft for quarterbacks. Uh, Time shall tell on that, but here was Martin Mayhew on Wednesday on whether this year is even the right year to be thinking quarterback in the draft. Yeah, we certainly look at all of those things, and we know we we know the guys that we expect will be available next year. Uh, I think this is a, this is a quality quarterback class this year. Uh, there's no, you know, uh, consensus number one. I don't think right as of right now. I think there may be some separation here at the combine. We may see some of that happening. Um, but um, yeah, we we're we're aware of what our options are as far as next year too. We are looking to address it now, if possible. And that's where our focus is. So said Martin Mayhew about addressing quarterback this offseason, quote, we're looking to address it now, if possible, end quote. Uh, Yeah, that's an understatement. (laughs) Uh, The commanders are desperate for an upgrade at quarterback and for an upgrade at quarterback this offseason. And everybody knows these things because the reasons for these things are so apparent. A, the team has been mostly a losing team for nearly 30 years now, and so many fans are fed up. Uh, B, the team just changed its name and is very much in need of some juice for the 2022 season. C, Rod Rivera is entering his third season as head coach of the team and has yet to have a winning record during his time as head coach of the team. D, the team has had one negative off-the-field story after another, led by the workplace misconduct scandal and really could use some good 
and exciting news. And E, yes, we are all the way down to an E, uh, the home stadium. FedEx Field is maybe the single most reviled structure in sports. The season ticket base has dwindled. The team needs to find a way to sell more tickets. I could keep going and going, but I'll stop. You know the deal. We all know the deal. The commanders are desperate for an upgrade at quarterback and for an upgrade at quarterback this offseason. There very much is an urgency to this situation, and that can work for you in that it forces you to be aggressive and to make a bold move that works out spectacularly, but that urgency can also work against you in that it forces you to make a panic move or to make a move that ends up uh, not working out so well. But Martin Mayhew totally gets the predicament that the commanders are in. Now, I mentioned the commander's free agents to be. So the combine is taking place through Monday, March 7th. And then soon after that comes free agency. Uh, The NFL's legal tampering period will begin on Monday, March 14th at noon Eastern. And then the NFL's new league year will begin on Wednesday, March 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern. And the start of the new league year is when teams officially can sign players and make trades. So things are going to move quickly After the combine, uh, the commander's unrestricted free agents to be include offensive lineman Brandon Sheriff, Cornelius Lucas, and Tyler Larson, quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, running back J.D. McKissick, receivers Adam Humphreys, Cam Sims, and DeAndre Carter, tight end Ricky Seals-Jones, safety Bobby McCain, interior defensive lineman Tim Settle, corners Daryl Roberts, and Troy Apke, yes, Trap, is set to be an unrestricted free agent, uh, linebacker John Bostic, and kicker Joey Sly. So the commanders have a lot of unrestricted free agents to be to be thinking about. Uh, the commander's most significant restricted free agent to be is quarterback Kyle Allen. Here was Martin Mayhew on Wednesday on where things stand with the commander's major free agents to be. We've had several meetings with some of our some of our guys. Obviously, a lot of them we'd like to have back with our football team, um, and uh, those discussions are really ongoing. Uh, this is the first one of the first steps in the process. We've been in contact since the season ended, and now we have the opportunity to sit down and talk with the agents face to face. A lot of it depends on how things shape out at other positions and, and where we spend money other places. So there are a lot of moving pieces to it, but it's great to get a sense um, kind of of where those guys are, what their mindset is. Uh, Uh, And most of them want to be back with us. And that's great to hear. So you heard Martin Mayhew say that whether the commanders re-sign their free agents, at least partially, quote, depends on how things shape out at other positions, end quote. Uh, That was perhaps another indication that a free agent signing or trade at the quarterback position is coming. Uh, As for the commander's most prominent free agents to be, well, a popular one is J.D. McKissick. Uh, Every indication has been that the commanders want to re-sign McKissick, and the commanders should want to re-sign McKissick. He's been a very efficient ball carrier and pass catcher for the team over his two seasons with the team. Now, McKissick did play in just 11 of Washington's 17 games in the 2021 regular season due to a concussion and a neck injury. He missed the team's final six games of the season, but McKissick overall has been a plus for Washington. Here was Martin Mayhew on Wednesday on J.D. McKissick. We'd love to have J.D. back. We plan to meet with his agent while we're down here. Uh, we met with uh, Cam Sims' agent yesterday. 
plan to meet with Bobby McCain's agent here as well. Uh, we'd love to have all three of those guys back. They're all sort of in the same group where they were really important to what we did last year. We'd love to have them for this year. Uh, the important thing is going to be, can we come up with the number that makes sense for everybody involved and how does that fit into the puzzle of putting our football team together? So uh, we'd love to have J.D. back. He's explosive. He made some big plays for us last year, and he's an important part of what we have going. Yeah, I would be surprised if the Commanders don't re-sign J.D. McKissick. He has been a good player for the team. The Commanders need another running back who they trust, given how banged up Antonio Gibson has been over his two NFL seasons. Now, to Gibson's credit, he doesn't miss many games, but he has been banged up quite a bit. And given that McKissick's a running back, his market really shouldn't be that overwhelming. Uh, You know, a team should almost never pay big money for a running back, but the commanders shouldn't have to pay anything close to big money to re-sign McKissick. This should be a very doable contract. What is going to cost big money, or what would cost big money, because there's no guarantee that this is going to happen, is a long-term contract extension for Terry McLaurin. Uh, He's entering the fourth and final season of his rookie contract. He, of course, has been really good over his first three NFL seasons, especially considering the many quarterbacks from whom Terry has caught passes. Uh, Martin Mayhew on Wednesday on a potential contract extension for Terry McLaurin. Yeah, well, um, yeah, we plan to meet with Terry's agent as well. His agent is is uh, is based here, uh, so we're going to meet with him here. Um, and yeah, I mean, we 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 feel good about our group of of, of uh, wideouts right now. Um, we think Deami Brown's going to be better this year. Like I said, we're trying to get Cam Sims back. We expect big things from Dax. Terry and Curtis Samuel didn't have a great year last year because of the injury. We expect a bounce back year from Curtis. So uh, there, you know, we've got some quality guys. We can always always try to get better. And that's what our plan is, pretty much across the board. We're always looking to get better at, at pretty much every position. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, keep trying to get better at every position, but ain't nobody better for the Commanders at the position of receiver than Terry McLaurin. Uh, There really is zero reason not to do whatever you can to sign Terry to a contract extension this offseason. Like, there is no legitimate, credible, anti-Terry McLaurin argument out there. Uh, So the commanders really do need to try to get this done, and they need to understand that getting this done is going to require a mega money offer, because Terry McLaurin is a year away from the prospect of unrestricted free agency. And Terry on the open market would have quite a few bidders. You know, when you think about it, the biggest impediment to the commander signing Terry McLaurin to a contract extension this offseason may be Terry or Terry's agent. Because getting Terry to pass on unrestricted free agency next offseason, or at least getting Terry to pass on being franchise tagged next offseason, is going to require a lot of money this offseason. Also with Terry, of course, is the quarterback thing. Uh, He'll never say it, but there may be no player on the commanders more sick of the team's struggles at quarterback than Terry McLaurin. Uh, Terry, over his three NFL seasons, has caught passes from Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, Taylor Heineke, and Garrett Gilbert. Now, some guys were better than other guys, but that's not exactly a murderer's row of quarterbacks right there. Also with the commander's quarterback search is this. Might the commanders want to wait on what they offer to their free agents to be until the commanders have a better sense of what they're doing at quarterback? Martin Mayhew on Wednesday on how the commander's quarterback search may influence conversations 
with the commander's free agents to be? Yeah, well, you know, we want, we want to get a sense for where they are contractually. Um, we want to ex- explain to them that we aren't ready to make an offer right now, but we do want them back. Uh, and they have the opportunity uh, to, to go out and when the, when the uh, negotiation period begins in, in a week or so. They'll have the opportunity to go out and talk to other teams, and, and we want them to keep us informed as to where as, as to where they are contractually and what kind of offers they're looking at. So, um, yeah, I mean that's that's what our purpose here is is to express that we want those guys back. There's no offers going back and forth, but they know of our interests and know how important those guys are to us. We just want to express that to their agent personally. Okay, so it does sound like the commanders are taking a slow and deliberate approach with their free agents to be. Uh, That's fine. Uh, That would explain why, say, J.D. McKissick has yet to be re-signed. You know, you are seeing some re-signings in the NFL right now. You have not seen many re-signings with the commanders. So the commanders re-signed linebacker David Mayo, and uh, that's about it in terms of prominent uh, re-signings since the end of the Commanders' 2021 season. Martin Mayhew on Wednesday was asked if it's accurate to say that the Commanders' major free agents-to-be will be making it to free agency. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Um, I would say that uh, their agents are aware that we want them back and that they will probably be investigating what they can get on the open market if they can, uh, and then we'll kind of see where it goes. All right, so there you go. Uh, A major positive for the Commanders going into free agency. Is that the team again has a lot of salary cap space. Uh, We don't yet know with certainty what the salary cap for the 2022 season will be, but OverTheCap.com estimates the Commanders as having the ninth most effective salary cap space for the 2022 season. Of course, there's nothing better for an NFL team in terms of the cap than having a franchise quarterback on a rookie contract. That is the greatest bargain in sports. Could it be? Might it be? that the Commanders are going to find their franchise quarterback in the 2022 draft. Well, the top quarterback prospects spoke on Wednesday via press conferences at the Combine. And up next, we'll discuss some things that were said by and came up with Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Carson Strong, and Matt Corral. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, so let's talk commanders, quarterbacks, and the combine. So this podcast is for Thursday, March 3rd, uh, what is day three of the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, and it is on this day three of the Combine that the quarterbacks are to work out. So Thursday is of particular interest for our franchise quarterback needy commanders. However, it was on Wednesday, day two of the Combine, that we had quarterback press conferences, and the most athletically gifted quarterback at the Combine revealed that he will not be working out at the Combine. Uh, Malik Willis, he on Wednesday said that he will not run or participate in some other drills at the Combine. Now, reporter Stacey Dales of NFL Network on Wednesday tweeted that Willis will do throwing drills at the Combine, but yeah, no Combine 40 time for Malik Willis. Uh, That is a buzzkill. Uh, Willis, during his sophomore season at Auburn, what was the 2018 season, ran a 4-3-7-40, so there was a lot of interest to see just how blazing the Malik Willis 40 time at the Combine would be. Willis on Wednesday did say that he will probably run at his pro day, which is scheduled for March 24th. Now, freak athletes not working out at NFL Combines isn't new, so we shouldn't be shocked by Malik Willis uh, not running a 40, not doing other drills at the Combine, but we can be disappointed. Uh, We are allowed to be disappointed. What was not disappointing with Willis on Wednesday was his press conference. Uh, There are three things that are said to be extreme strengths of Malik Willis. His mobility, his arm strength, and his personality. Everything that you read and hear about this guy is that he's a good guy, he's accountable, he's a leader. How about this tweet from Panthers insider Joe Person of the Athletic Carolina on Wednesday? Quote, Malik Willis played for Cam Newton's seven-on-seven team, went to Cam's Atlanta High School, and like Cam, is confident and engaging. Willis just crushed his combine media session, end quote. Here was Willis during his press conference on Wednesday on which NFL team he would like to take him in the 2022 NFL draft. And I feel good about, you know, going to any team, you know. It's like everybody don't get to go to a team, so I feel blessed in that, you know, asset or that facet. Uh, I mean, I'm just trying to make a team at the end of the day. You can't make all these goals that you can't keep. I hate that. I mean, so I'm just trying to, you know, get somewhere and make the team first. And then you can learn and try to, you know, do something else after that. But all these people like that think I'm going to go in here and be rookie of the year. I'm going to go in here and do this and that. You never played an NFL game. You sound like crazy. I mean, I don't know. That's just my opinion, though. Yeah, so you get a sense there of Malik Willis, the guy. He comes off as being mature. He comes off as being grounded. He comes off as being humble. Now, I say comes off because we don't know anything about a player's personality with certainty. And there are plenty of examples of athletes who are said to be one way and then it turns out are an entirely different way. But so far, the reviews of Malik Willis, the person, are really high. Uh, It has become impossible to ignore that. I tell you, with Malik Willis, the more that I see, hear, and read, the more that I like. Uh, I do think that the commanders should very much be considering taking Willis with their number 11 pick in the draft, or even trading up to take him. The biggest concern with Willis is the accuracy, and that is a significant concern. I mean, I do not want to downplay that. Uh, A quarterback who is not accurate with his passes 
can be a major problem. But Malik Willis checks a number of other boxes. Uh, Also on Wednesday at the Combine, via these quarterback press conferences, were updates on two quarterbacks' body parts. Uh, Kenny Pickett's right hand and Carson Strong's right knee. Uh, Let's start with Pickett's right hand. So the belief is that Kenny Pickett has small hands. Uh, He's right-handed. Pickett did not have his hand size measured during Senior Bowl week in Mobile, Alabama in late January. This was due to having a double-jointed thumb, causing his thumb to naturally point in an odd direction. The idea is that Pickett has been doing exercises to try to get a more normal direction for his thumb uh, for a better hand size measurement at the combine. Hand size measurements at the combine are done by measuring the tip of the thumb to the tip of the pinky finger with the hand outstretched. Uh, A good hand size is said to be around nine inches. Uh, The belief slash fear is that Kenny Pickett's hand size is like eight inches and change. Uh, This was Pickett on Wednesday on what he has been doing for his hands. Uh, Really just the exercise that I was doing. Um, The reason why I didn't measure at the senior bowl was just to have those extra couple weeks, uh, just kind of a common sense thing. It'll it'll help you to have more time uh, working the exercises. So whatever it measures, it measures. And, you know, I'm sure that won't be the end of it, but I'll be the last measure I'm sure I'll take of it. Yeah, I'm sure that Kenny Pickett is sick of talking about his hands. Uh, It is a funny thing. On the one hand, uh, no pun intended, uh, this whole hand size thing with Pickett feels ridiculous, especially him feeling compelled to do exercises to improve his hand size measurement. On the other hand, uh, it does make at least some sense that hand size for a quarterback would matter. I mean, after all, quarterbacks use their hands, especially throwing hands, Quite a bit. And keep in mind that NFL footballs are bigger than footballs that are used in college football. I feel like that never gets talked about. But personally, I do think that the hand size thing is overrated. Uh, Watch the tape. Judge Kenny Pickett off that. Don't get sucked into the hand size narrative. Uh, Would it be better if he had big hands? Yes. Uh, But should Pickett having small hands be the difference between drafting him and not drafting him? No. In fact, take a listen to this. ESPN NFL draft analyst Mel Kuyper Jr. on ESPN's Get Up with Mike Greenberg on Tuesday morning on whether Kenny Pickett's hand size is truly a big deal. I talked to my friends in the NFL, and when I brought it up, not one said it was. In fact, they laughed about it. They brought up you know, Joe Burrow. What was his hand size? Around nine. Look what he's done in the AFC North, playing in Cincinnati, Cleveland, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. Tony Romo didn't have a big hand. Michael Vick. Listen, Ryan Tannehill. The list goes on and on. And some of the guys that had the 10-plus have been busts in the first round of the NFL draft. So, like I said, it was laughed off by GMs, former GMs, personnel directors, former personnel directors. It, it was laughed off by everybody I talked to in the NFL, Greeny, that's been there for 40 years or been in a position for 15 years. It didn't matter. Not one said it was a significant issue. He wears gloves on both hands. I talked to Mark Whipple, former quarterback coach and coordinator who's now in Nebraska, was with Big Ben in Pittsburgh. He didn't, he said, hey, wear the gloves. Who who cares? You know, I mean, he played at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. He had a heck of a career with 50 starts. Uh, He's going to go in the top 15. I have him to Washington. I don't think hand size is going to have any bearing on where he goes. Okay, so how about that from Mel Kuyper Jr. on the Kenny Pickett hand size situation? It was, quote, laughed off, end quote, by everybody to whom Mel talked. And yes, you heard that right late in the cut. Mel has Pickett being taken 
by the commanders. Uh, While we're talking Kenny Pickett, he had his press conference on Wednesday, did address the incredible leap that he made this past college football season. So Kenny Pickett was Pitt's starting quarterback for four seasons, 2018 through 2021. He was a very underwhelming quarterback for those first three seasons, 2018 through 2020, and then Pickett erupted in 2021. Pickett over his first three seasons as Pitt starting quarterback, 2018 through 2020, totaled just 38 touchdown passes. But Pickett in just his 2021 season totaled 42 touchdown passes. Pickett over his first three seasons as Pitt starting quarterback had a yards per pass attempt of just 6.73. That is a really low yards per pass attempt, especially for a college football quarterback. Well, Pickett in his 2021 season had a yards per pass attempt of 8.69. How the heck did this happen? This was Pickett on Wednesday. It was all the hard work kind of growing into that, that last season. Uh, having my third season with Coach Whipple mastering the offense, taking more ownership of our team, of our offense, being more of a vocal leader um, in terms of throwing sessions and film sessions and teaching our offense to our guys and they're hearing you know, it from my voice instead of a coach. Uh, so we're all on the same page when we went out there every Saturday. So I think a lot went into it. Um, definitely was not just a, a me thing. Um, you know, Great teammates, great, great coaches. Uh, love the guys that I played with. So I think all that came together for, for a special season for us. Yeah, if you're the commanders and you are seriously considering drafting Kenny Pickett, you do have to ask the question of why was this guy so much better in 2021 as compared to what he was from 2018 through 2020? You really don't see this often in college football. A four-year starting quarterback who is mediocre at best over his first three seasons as a starting quarterback and then blossoms into one of the best quarterbacks in the country in his fourth season as a starting quarterback. Uh, But there is the recent comp of Joe Burrow. Now, his story isn't exactly the same as Pickett's story, but Burrow went from, in the 2018 season, being an underwhelming starting quarterback for LSU to then, in the 2019 season, having what is, to me, the greatest season that any collegiate quarterback has ever had. And I know that may sound like exaggeration, but it's not. I mean, uh, do the comparative analysis. Compare Joe Burrow's 2019 season with any other great season by any other college football quarterback ever. What Joe Burrow did statistically and who Joe Burrow beat in that 2019 season, I don't think has ever been equaled. And with Joe Burrow, right, we all would say uh, so far so good for him as an NFL quarterback. Uh, There are a lot of opinions on this 2022 NFL draft quarterback class. The consensus opinion, of course, is that the class isn't a very good one. But there doesn't seem to be a consensus opinion on who the top quarterback in the 2022 draft quarterback class is. Here was Mel Kuyper Jr. on Get Up on if Kenny Pickett is the top quarterback in the 2022 draft. Slightly. Uh, Malik Willis, to me, is right there with him. One's at 19, one's at 20 on the big board. They'll be out tomorrow. Malik Willis has unbelievable talent. He's not there yet. Kenny Pickett is a guy that I think can be best-case scenario greenie Derek Carr in that Andy Dalton mold as well. So we're somewhere in between. So if he is Derek Carr, the team that drafts Kenny Pickett, if it is Washington 11, he's going to be very happy. Yes, I would say that we as Commanders fans would be quite happy if the team drafted Kenny Pickett and he turned out to be Derek Carr. All right, so we talked about Kenny Pickett's right hand. Uh, We now move to Carson Strong's 
right knee. Uh, You could argue that the best pure passer in the 2022 draft is Carson Strong. Uh, He has a rocket arm. He was a prolific passer at Nevada. He was a three-year starting quarterback for Nevada, 2019 through 2021. He, over his final two seasons, was terrific. And he threw the football a lot. Strong for the 2021 season, ranked number four in the FBS in pass attempts with 524. But as you likely know, Carson Strong has a right knee thing. And how much of a thing this thing is, is up for debate. Uh, Strong underwent right knee surgery in February 2021. He then underwent a right knee arthroscopy in August 2021. Now, the director of the Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, uh, he on December 17th tweeted the following on Strong's knee, quote, plenty speculation on here about status of Nevada QB Carson Strong's knee. He had surgery Feb 21 and rushed back to play this fall Despite normal 10-month recovery time, recently saw an NFL team doc who told him there was zero cause for long-term concern after clean MRI, end quote. So that was from Jim Nagy on December 17th. Now look, Jim Nagy tends to be very positive on players. He runs the Senior Bowl. He's not going to trash players, but uh, that tweet was encouraging regarding the right knee of Carson Strong. And here was Carson Strong during his combine press conference on Wednesday on his right knee. Everyone's got a different opinion, but you know I'm, I know I'm ready to go. Um, everyone's judging me based on the tape that I put out last season, which makes total sense. Um, but I wasn't healthy. Um, I had a surgery that required a year for recovery. I came back in six months. Um, you know, my dad tried to get me to not play the first part of the season, but I was like, "There's no way. Like, I have to go out there and play for my team." Um, and so, what I put on tape this year wasn't the full me. Um, you know, but what I proved at the senior bowl was that I can move fluidly and smoothly. No, I'm not going to stiff arm someone and hurdle them and, you know, go run 50 yard touchdown, but I can extend plays. I can do play action boot pass. Um, you know, I stepped up in the pocket, got 10 yards and slid um, when I could at practice. Yeah. So the context of Carson Strong's 2021 season is important. He came back quickly, maybe too quickly from those right knee procedures, though we still had big passing numbers. Uh, Carson Strong in his 2021 redshirt junior season totaled 36 touchdown passes versus eight interceptions, registered a yards per pass attempt of 8.0, and had a completion percentage of 70.1. But even if Strong doesn't have a chronic right knee problem, he was a total non-factor as a runner in college. Three seasons as Nevada's starting quarterback, he over those three seasons totaled minus 309 rushing yards. Yes, minus 309 rushing yards. Now, college football inexplicably counts yardage lost on sacks as rushing yardage for quarterbacks, but still, right? Minus 309 rushing yards over three seasons as Nevada's starting quarterback stands out. Uh, A quarterback who is that little of a factor as a runner needs to excel as a passer, but the thing with Carson Strong is he may be able to excel as a passer. He is your prototypical tall, big-armed pocket passer. Uh, Strong on Wednesday got asked if he has the strongest arm of any quarterback in the 2022 draft. 
Um, yeah, I think that you know all these guys in this draft class can throw the ball. I know like the media especially says that this draft class for quarterbacks is you know weak or whatever, but you know I think that there's a ton of good quarterbacks in this draft class. I mean, Malik Willis is a freak athlete. You can you know sling the ball. I work out with Desmond Ritter every single day with Jordan Palmer. I mean, um, I'm not going to knock any of the guys. All these dudes can play football. None of us would be in the conversation to get drafted if we couldn't. However, I do think that I can throw the ball really well and I have a very strong arm. Um, but, you know, no knock on the other guys. Everyone can throw the ball well. Good answer there from Carson Strong. You know, he got asked if he has the strongest arm of any quarterback in the 2022 draft. And he instead used the question to talk up the other quarterbacks in the draft. And then, like, casually mentioned that he does think that he can throw the football really well and does have a strong arm. A great answer to that question. Also on Wednesday was Matt Corral discussing what led to his high right ankle sprain. So Corral dealt with multiple ankle injuries during his 2021 season, including being carted off the field in the first quarter of Ole Miss's 21-7 loss to Baylor in the Sugar Bowl on January 1st with what ended up being a high ankle sprain of his right ankle. The fear at the time was that the injury to his right leg was much worse, but the injury only ended up being a high ankle sprain of the right ankle. I say only. I mean, that is a significant injury, but it's obviously not like a career-ruining injury. Uh, Corral getting hurt in a bowl game while being a well-regarded quarterback prospect for the NFL draft raised a lot of questions about whether he should have played in the Sugar Bowl to begin with. But this was Corral during his Combine press conference on Wednesday on questions from NFL teams at the Combine regarding the high right ankle sprain that he suffered by playing in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, there's been quite a few, but um, they asked me if I regret it, and absolutely not. You know, like I wouldn't be in that position without those guys. And you know, I never thought about opting out until teammates came up to me asking if I was going to play or not. Like it was never a thought in my mind. Like I was going to play regardless. And then my teammates started coming up to me. I want to say like around the Egg Bowl, and you know, our bowl game was later on, and we didn't even know who we were playing. They were just asking me if I was playing in the bowl uh, in the bowl game. And that's when I really had to just make it a point to like, um, you know, address the team saying that, you know, I'm all in. Like, I, I would not be in this position if it wasn't them. And I took big pride of, you know, being their leader. Yeah, you got to respect that answer. Uh, Matt Corral is not expected to do much, if anything, in terms of working out at the combine. He is expected to throw at his pro day on March 23rd. So no Corral at the Senior Bowl, a limited Corral at the combine. His pro day is going to be big for him. Oh, by the way, uh, Corral on Wednesday did say that he was interviewed at the Combine by the Commanders, uh, although they have reportedly spoken with multiple quarterbacks. So I wouldn't read too much into the Commanders having spoken with Corral, but that is worth noting. Uh, there's plenty to like about Corral. Strong arm, he can run, and he over his two full seasons as Ole Miss's starting quarterback put up big numbers in the toughest conference in the country, the SEC. But Kenny Pickett's hand size, Carson Strong's right knee, Matt Corral's right ankle, a lot of body parts for the commanders to be considering in their evaluations of the quarterbacks at the Combine. All right, let's talk college basketball. Both Maryland and Georgetown played on Wednesday night. Now, the biggest college basketball item from Wednesday actually came during the day and had to do with Georgetown. I'll get to that item shortly. But the Terrapins on Wednesday night won again. Uh, they, on their senior night, won for a fourth time in five games. Uh, Maryland improved to 15 and 15 overall and 7 and 12 in the Big Ten with an 84-73 win over Minnesota. 
at Xfinity Center in College Park. Look, this has been a really bad season for the Terps for a lot of reasons, but I give them credit. I give interim head coach Danny Manning credit. This team is fighting, and this team has been a lot better lately. Terps have gone from 3-11 and 11 in the Big Ten to now 7-12 and 12 in the Big Ten. Now, they're not going to make the NCAA tournament as an at-large bid or anything like that, but I tell you what, the Terps could prove to be a tough out in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, we'll see. Uh, the Terps on Wednesday night uh, led for the entire second half, during which they did allow a 13-point lead to get cut to being a two-point lead, but the Terps then responded to that with a 14-3 run. Uh, this was a very mixed game for the Terps' defense, so the Terps got scorched by Jamison Battle, who could not be stopped. Uh, there was no battle for Jamison Battle. He seemingly scored at will on Wednesday night. Battle went 7 of 16 on threes and 7 of 15 on twos. He finished with 39 points. He played for all 40 minutes of the game, but 39 points for Jamison Battle on Wednesday night. The 39 points tied the record for the most points ever scored by a player in a game at Xfinity Center. And the name Jamison Battle may strike you as familiar. He played for George Washington for two seasons, 2019 to 2021. Jamison Battle is a good player. He's not 39 points good, though. Uh, that was some performance that he put on on Wednesday night. Also, the Terps had issues with Peyton Willis. He went three of six on threes, four of eight on twos. He finished with 21 points. So the Terps got ripped by Jamison Battle and Peyton Willis, but the Terps held the rest of the Gophers uh, to a combined 13 points on one of six on threes and four of 15 on twos. So Battle and Willis combined for 60 of Minnesota's 73 points. The rest of the Gophers combined for just 13 points when a combined one of six on threes and a combined four of 15 on twos. Battle and Willis got theirs, but nobody else on Minnesota did much of anything. Uh, as for the Terps offense, Terps were bad on threes again. Uh, we've become used to that. Uh, the Terps went just six of 19 on threes, but the Terps went 25 of 41 on twos and outscored Minnesota in the paint 46-16. Yeah, Maryland outscored Minnesota in the paint by 30 points. Uh, the Gophers were without their starting center and the Terps capitalized. Six Terps each scored at least nine points. Maryland's leading scorer was Hakeem Hart. Uh, he went one of three on threes, four of five on twos, eight of eight on free throws. He finished with 19 points, seven rebounds, three assists versus one turnover and two steals in 33 minutes as a starter. Uh, Fats Russell continued to do well. Now, he didn't score 20 points. He's been doing that a lot lately. He got to 16 on Wednesday night. He went 0-3 on threes, but 5-9 on twos, 6-7 on free throws, 16 points, 4 assists versus 1 turnover, 3 steals, and 3 rebounds in 31 minutes as a starter. Uh, Eric Ayala, 3-7 on threes, 3-6 on twos. He finished with 15 points, 9 rebounds, and 2 assists versus 2 turnovers in 35 minutes as a starter. Uh, Dante Scott, one of three on threes, two of four on twos. He finished with nine points, eight rebounds, including three offensive boards in 34 minutes as a starter. He did have one assist versus three turnovers. And the Terps got efficient play from their two centers. Uh, the brightest of the bunch was the reserve, the 6'9 freshman, Julian Reese, 18 minutes off the bench, six of eight from the field, all twos. He finished with 12 points, five rebounds, including four offensive boards and two steals. He did have no assists 
versus two turnovers. And then the Georgetown transfer, the 6'11 big man, Kudus Wahab, uh, he played for just 15 minutes as a starter, 0-1 on threes, 5-7 on twos. He finished with 10 points and five rebounds. Look, this overall has been a disappointing season for Kudus Wahab with Maryland. I mean, there was a lot of hype for him off him transferring from Georgetown to Maryland. Uh, really, the two guys who got the most hype in terms of the transfers from Maryland were Wahab and Fats Russell, right, who transferred from Rhode Island. Fats, for the most part, has lived up to the hype. Wahab has not. But Wahab, in limited playing time, uh, has been pretty efficient here lately. Uh, just one regular season game is left for Maryland at Michigan State Sunday afternoon at 4.30. Meantime, Georgetown. Uh, the Hoyas have done it. Uh, they have tied for the worst start ever for a team in a season in Big East play. Georgetown fell to 6-23 and overall and 0-18 and in the Big East with a 73-68 loss at Seton Hall on Wednesday night. The Hoyas lost their 19th consecutive game. The Hoyas, in falling to 0-18 in the Big East, became just the third team ever to begin a season 0-18 in Big East play. Uh, more on the game shortly, but the big news with Georgetown basketball on Wednesday uh, was a statement. Uh, Georgetown Director of Athletics Lee Reed earlier in the day on Wednesday issued a statement. I read to you the statement in its entirety. Quote, as a university with high standards and expectations for both academic and athletic excellence, we all share the disappointment of a difficult season. In this ever-evolving landscape of college athletics, we are committed to Coach Ewing and we are working with him to evaluate every aspect of the men's basketball program and to make the necessary changes for him to put us back on the path to success for next year. Coach Ewing's dedication, as well as his success in last year's Big East tournament, is a testament to his leadership. This gives us confidence that he can strengthen our program going forward. I wish to thank all of our supporters and season ticket holders for their ongoing commitment and express my appreciation to the members of our team for their hard work, end quote. So <laughs> what are we to make of that statement in terms of the future of Patrick Ewing as Hoya's head coach? So to me, the statement from Lee Reed actually is not so simple to interpret. Uh, now, Reed does say that Georgetown is, quote, committed to Coach Ewing, end quote, that there is, quote, confidence, end quote, that Patrick Ewing can, quote, strengthen our program going forward, End quote. Uh, those items obviously suggest that Patrick will be retained as Hoya's head coach. But Reed also says that the school is, quote, working, end quote, with Patrick, quote, to evaluate every aspect of the men's basketball program and to make the necessary changes for him to put us back on the path to success for next year. End quote. Uh, necessary changes uh, that obviously could include parting with Patrick as head coach. Uh, if you have been a sports fan for any substantial length of time, you know about the kiss of death statement. Uh, the kiss of death statement, the owner or the general manager or the director of athletics puts out a statement in support of a head coach or a manager and the guy ends up getting fired, okay? That has happened so many times over the years in sports. So I don't think that anybody should be shocked if Patrick Ewing ends up no longer being Georgetown's head coach upon the conclusion 
of the Hoyas season. But, you know, you read that statement and it obviously does have some things that make you say, hmm, is Georgetown actually going to be keeping Patrick as head coach? I mean, I don't know what the argument is for retaining Patrick Ewing as Georgetown head coach at this point. This is his fifth season as Hoyas head coach. He has made the NCAA tournament one time, and that was due to a miracle run to win last year's Big East tournament, and that run now looks like a total fluke. Uh, Patrick has lost a lot of guys to the NCAA transfer portal, and I know that these days every school is dealing with transfers coming and going, but with Georgetown, boy, it sure seems to be worse than it has been at other schools. Uh, Patrick's Hoyas teams routinely are really bad defensively, and this Georgetown season is a complete disaster. 0-18 in the Big East. Like, you can't make a big enough deal of that. 0-18 in the Big East. Uh, I just don't know what the true convincing argument is for keeping Patrick as Hoya's head coach. Uh, But here's the thing. If ever there was a school that was going to keep its head coach, given all of the things that I just said, uh, that school would be Georgetown. The Hoyas for years have uh, marched to the beat of their own drum. You know, Georgetown exists in its own little world. Uh, I would argue that that's part of the problem here, but it's not a certainty that Patrick will not be back as Hoya's head coach. I still would say that it's more likely than unlikely that he won't be back. In other words, I still would say that it's likely that he won't be back. But this isn't a 100% proposition. So good luck with that, Hoyas fans. Good luck if you're Georgetown trying to sell a season number six with Patrick Ewing as head coach. And as I have said, I am a Patrick Ewing fan. I have a lot of respect for him as a coach. He toiled for years as an NBA assistant. It's not like he was just gifted this Georgetown head coaching job, but ultimately you got to show results. This is season number five and Georgetown is 0-18 in the Big East. Uh, As for this loss at Seton Hall on Wednesday night, uh, the game was close, but the Hoyas never led in the second half. Uh, Hoyas defense was mixed. Hoyas did hold Seton Hall to just 420 on threes, but the Hoyas allowed Seton Hall to go 24 of 45 on twos. Georgetown got outscored in the paint 42-26. The Hoyas also got shredded on the board. Hoyas got out-rebounded by 16, 45-29. The Hoyas had just nine offensive rebounds to Seton Hall's 19, and thus just eight second-chance points to Seton Hall's 21. Uh, We had another rough game for the 6'5 five-star freshman Aminu Muhammad on Wednesday night. He scored just five points in 24 minutes as a starter. He went just one of four on threes and just one of six on twos. It may be that Aminu Muhammad ends up being a great player for the Hoyas, hopefully for the Hoyas, okay? Because Aminu Muhammad, you know, with all these transfers from Georgetown, I don't think anybody would be stunned if Aminu Muhammad ended up transferring after this season. But, you know, for a five-star freshman, he has not been the program changer that he was built up to be. Muhammad now, over 29 games this season, is shooting just 30.4% on threes and just 39.1% on twos. Uh, Donald Carey struggled with his shooting on Wednesday night. One of five on threes, two of five on twos. He finished with 11 points and eight rebounds in 37 minutes as a starter. The bright spot for Georgetown was Caden Rice, uh, the graduate transfer from the Citadel, 30 minutes off the bench, five of eight on threes. He finished with 17 points, and Rice actually surpassed Allen Iverson for the most made threes by a Georgetown player in a season. Uh, Caden Rice, as we speak now this season, 89 of 234 on threes this season. He's been a 38% shooter 
on threes. And that's despite a recent rut. Caden Rice came into this game having gone just four of 33 on threes over his previous six games. But good to see him do as he did on Wednesday night. It was not good to see Georgetown lose again. Oh, and 18 in the Big East. I cannot emphasize that enough. One game left for Georgetown in its regular season at Xavier, Saturday night at 7. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 264, will feature a special guest, Eric Eager. He is the vice president of research and development for Pro Football Focus. He's one of the smartest guys out there when it comes to talking NFL. And he authored a terrific piece that came out on Tuesday. Headline, how NFL teams should attack the quarterback position despite a down class, as in a down draft class. Uh, This piece speaks loudly and clearly to us as Commanders fans. So I said to myself, I got to get Eric on the podcast. So Eric and I are going to talk drafting quarterbacks and how the Commanders should be approaching their quarterback situation. Uh, Looking forward to this. Eric Eager on Friday's installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Also on Friday's show, I will have the latest Commander's relevant developments from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. And I'll talk Capitals. Uh, Our struggling Caps will host the Metropolitan Division-leading Carolina Hurricanes Thursday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. I think this team needs a veteran. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not going to preclude us from looking at, at, at a rookie. It's not going to preclude us from saying that, you know, if we ended up with a veteran and all of a sudden we draft a rookie, that this rookie's not going to get an opportunity. You've got to mm-hmm. be honest about that.